Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to The Mentor, I'm Mark Boris. Hey, Kirgi, last meeting of the year, coming up with the RBA, probably yours and my last uh, conversation until early next year, 2024. Um, because, as we know, the RBA doesn't meet in January. Um, maybe just quickly tell us now, because they they look like they're about to appoint, and they may have already appointed the uh, the new board of the RBA, and they're going back to eight meetings a year. Yes. Does that start in? When does that start now? That starts on the. I think it's the sixth of February is the first meeting of twenty twenty four, and then it goes to an eight weekly cycle. Right. So there's two eight, eight meetings. It's just a fraction under two months. So it's basically, you know, we get quarterly inflation, quarterly GDP. Each meeting is about two weeks after each of them. So eight in the year rather than the first Tuesday of each month, except January. So that's the new cycle. The new board, I haven't heard the full details yet. I'm sure the Treasurer will want to announce that soon, maybe over the Christmas recess. He might just put out a press release. Here's our new board members. Uh, but that's what – so this is basically the last meeting of the old structure of the RBA. Well, it's going to be that's fascinating, a, this one that we're uh, you know, it's era ending. It is indeed. It is indeed. And uh, it means that the current board will then go back to administrative issues on the board and how the payment system's working and cash versus credit cards and all this sort of stuff, how stuff the Reserve Bank does too, as well as monitoring the health of the banking and financial sector, notes and coins and all that sort of stuff. And the Monetary Policy Board will come on stream it's a new in the board. new year. It'll be a new board and their focus will be interest rates, monetary policy, how's the economy going, how's inflation going, and the other board will be doing the admin stuff. Right. So we've heard a little bit from our governor more recently, like last week, she talked about inflation being homegrown Mm. and, you know, traditionally, not traditionally, but over the last two years, we've been talking about inflation having been imported from other countries um, and supply chain driven inflation, she's now sort of suggesting, and I don't really know where she got her data from, but that inflation is uh, homegrown. In other words, we're all spending too much because we've got too much to spend, perhaps. I'm not sure exactly what she means. I want to touch on that. Um, uh, the last day or so from her digs in wherever she is overseas at the moment, um, she spoke about that, I presume, her uh, field agents have told her this, that uh, whilst Australians' mortgages are unhappy with the Reserve Bank putting interest rates up, which is a no-brainer, they are coping quite well. Now, it's not my, it's not what I'm hearing, and you know I'm, I'm exposed to a half a million borrowers, 
It's not what I'm hearing. It's not what I'm hearing in the streets. It's not what people email me, DM me, text me, tell me when they see me in the street. It's not what I'm hearing. Yeah. Um, that's my field agency work. Uh, what are you hearing, mate? My field agency work, if we can call it that, in the last month, I've been travelling around to Perth, Sydney, Melbourne, a number of different times, depending on who I'm seeing, seeing a range of big corporations, little corporations, real estate businesses, uh, tech companies, talking about the economy. And none of them, I repeat, none are saying that conditions are good. Some of them are saying things are okay, particularly those associated with a bit of um, artificial intelligence and technology. Yeah, businesses still buying machinery, equipment, technology. They have to to keep up. So because they have to. They have to because yeah. that's just business. So they're doing okay. So those they're doing it not strong because, of course, some companies are using that as a discretionary cut in their spending. So some, you know, we're hearing the banks are sacking people now. Yeah, because they're going to use Because the economy is weak. They're going to yeah. use technology to, to, to replace to, people. Correct. Because it's like, cheaper. Correct. Like bank branches. Who goes to a bank branch with a cheque? You know, we all go tap, 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 and every bill's paid and money goes you know, I don't know how you do it, but you do it. And so, therefore, we're going to have notes and coins probably being disappearing in the next, I don't know, five years or something like that. So the businesses that are doing it tough are doing it very tough. Those associated with retail, discretionary spending, so the high-end items, they're the ones that are under a fair bit of pressure because we consumers, and it came up in yesterday's retail sales numbers, so this is so it's always, always interesting when an anecdote turns into hard data. Yesterday, we had the hard data for October. Retail sales minus 0.2%. They're lower now than they were at the end of 2022. So 11 months of weakness because we consumers aren't silly. We are responding to the fact that prices are going up by more than our wages, although that's starting to change. We're responding to these rate hikes. Gosh, are we ever? And even the small business sector, who usually use their personal finances to fund their overdrafts and things like that, they're paying higher interest rates. So summarising it, from what I'm hearing and even starting to see in the hard data on the economy, the Bureau of Statistics, hard data on retail sales, building approvals, this sort of stuff, the economy is weak, unambiguously. So how do we reconcile her commentary with what we're hearing, seeing and reading? I'm not sure, Mark, to be honest. And I, and I, this is I'm not meaning to be unkind or rude. I just don't see it in the data. I looked at other things that we don't get a lot of data on, like government spending. And while there is some government spending, I looked at the Reserve Bank forecast that came out with their November statement on monetary policy. What was that just three weeks ago? Because they break down their forecast into you know household spending, dwelling investment, government demand. Government demand in the next year is only going, going to be growing by 0.9%. It's not really strong. Now, the government's still repairing the budget from the COVID, you know, big deficits and debt and this sort of thing. Fair enough. Maybe they should be doing more. I'm sure we'll talk about that a bit later. But they're doing something. And even the cancellation of some infrastructure spending because there's a sort of squeeze in the economy, that sort of stuff. So I don't think it's the government side of the economy. Where she might be getting her intelligence and information from is the fact that the export sector is still doing pretty well. Yeah, the iron ore price is still 130 US dollars a tonne. Wow. So the mining companies are making a truckload of money. Coal volumes, they've come off a bit, but we're still exporting coal, natural gas, all those commodities that Australia's got lots of, and we export a lot of. That does filter through to the economy. Now, obviously, if you're in that industry, you're doing really well. So it might just be the fact that the export sector is giving us a bit of a kick along, even though the domestic economy... When we look at consumption, construction, household spending, and even government spending are either neutral or weak. So it sort of could be 
the um, knock-on effect of a resource, Australian resource prosperity dividend sort of thing. Like, you know, it, I'm it, in West it Australia. Oh, WA, and, you know, look at WA house prices. They're the, they're, the others are starting to slow off a little bit. WA, Perth is still booming. WA's got the lowest unemployment rate in Australia. Look, Newcastle's close. Yes, but also, oh, indeed, but, but indeed. also a resource. Oh, resources coal. Yes, yep. indeed. So anything that's linked to the the resources sector, you know, the the energy or and iron ore, those sort of places, are doing really, really well. And it's interesting that Victoria, for example, that doesn't have a mining sector to speak of. Of course, it's, you know, it just doesn't. There's the, there's the economy that's arguably the weakest, one of the weakest at the moment. So I get that might be how the RBA and Michelle Bullock as governor are analysing this economy. They're getting. You know, good stories of strength in the export sector, great. You know, I love, you know, good on Australia. We've got a lot of that stuff in the ground. Let's dig it up and sell it. You know, great. But it's this domestic consumer household sector is where the pain is. So I'm going to be a bit of a cynic now, but I've already said it, so I might as well keep running with it. Do you think that the current governor, given those two statements in a two-week period, well, less than a two-week period, preceding the week where the RBA is going to make the decision in December, do you think they might be? She might be conditioning the market. We will go through our analysis yeah. later, but do you think she could be conditioning the market? Do you think she's? They've finally got a PR guru in there, or somebody who's good at dealing with media, mm-hmm. and uh, they're saying that person is saying to the RBA governor, "Would you like? Do you think we need another rate rise?" If you do, we need to start to drop this stuff into the media because it looks like it's been dropped into the media for me and, and the media's running with it. A couple of things there. First of all, I think you're right that they're, well, the RBA have appointed a new media advisor. Sally Cray's her name. Yeah, she's been public. She's been there for a couple of months. Used to be uh, the senior media person for Malcolm Turnbull when he was prime minister. So she's great. But, you know, so she's good at, good at PR. She knows her PR stuff, let's say. Well, she knows uh, how to how to work, how the, to work the PR stuff. Correct. Now, the, what I think the Reserve Bank are doing, because when I look at the US, this is similar conversations we had last month, the US, Europe, New Zealand, Canada, they've all got interest rate cuts, quite aggressive in some instances, priced into 2024. Australia doesn't. And the narrative so, is the same too. By no, way, it is. The, the economy's slowing down, inflation's yeah. coming down. Yeah, the narrative is remarkably similar. Now, I reckon it might just be the RBA... One of two things. Well, oh, well, goodness me, they may hike rates. You know, well, I was surprised last month when we both with, with the rate hike. Yep. Or it could just be Australians don't get carried away about the prospect of a near-term cut. So if you hear the conversation, US is going to cut rates in May, and UK is going to cut rates in April, and New Zealand is going to cut rates in April or May, whatever. Don't think it's automatically going to follow here because we want to keep rates a little bit higher for a little bit longer, and sure, we might cut them in the second half of 2024, but don't start re-pumping up, if you like, the economy on the expectation that we're going to cut rates in the next few months because that ain't going to happen. But you and I know that anyway. But, mate, why would – okay, if (laughs) if that's right, then why would she go out and say that we're doing okay? Because saying we're doing okay makes me think she's going to put the rates up. Yeah. uh, Look, that I I can't work out. And it's it's funny that it was – in the weeks after they put out their statement on monetary policy, because as you know, every quarter when they put out their statement on monetary policy, they have all of their updated forecasts. Fair enough. And it's a great chance for us economists to have a look at, you know, what's their forecast for GDP, inflation, unemployment, wages, all the stuff that feeds into interest rates and, you know, the, the health of the economy. In that statement, 
what they did, they revised up from a really low point the GDP growth. Like from in the middle of, uh, I can't remember the exact number, middle of 2024, it went from 1.5 to 1.8. The economy's still weak. You know, Australian, Australian economy, we've discussed, needs a three for GDP yep. growth, yep. and particularly given our population at the moment. You know, anything under three, we're weak. So, okay, it's a bit like sort of saying, you know, you revised up your forecast by you know, half a percent or a third of a percent. Do you think that's because she's expecting much bigger population growth? Oh, I think it is, yes, yep. indeed. In fact, the RBA has done a lot of work on how they've been surprised by how strong immigration's been. There's a lovely chart in their statement, might have not last, one before last, I think, showed how population growth far exceeded what they thought. And, of course, with every new migrant into the economy, they eat, they spend money, they need to rent a house, they need to buy a house, you know. So the economy grows more, but in per capita terms, no, no. it doesn't grow more. So that's why people are hurting. While, you know, the top-line GDP might be a little bit better. Politically good. Simply because there's more people and politically good, yep. The individual... Uh, experience is still under a lot of pressure because GDP per capita is going backwards. And the only thing that's keeping GDP growing is as a, gro as a gross number. As an aggregate gross total number is population. Yeah, and it's funny, I was thinking about this morning, I was having a cup of coffee and I thought, yeah. on average, we're growing at about a thousand new people a day. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yes, uh, yes. And now, now I, I don't want anybody out there to think that you and I, because I have already been asked about this yep. by a, a certain academic. Um, Mark, I was told that you and your friend Stephen have been bagging um, immigration. My response was, neither Stephen nor I, we're the, the least well-placed people to bag immigration, <laughs> given that we both come from immigrant parents, yes. and we're very pro-immigration. I get Indeed. it. I, I get it. But we're, what we're trying to do is explain, we're not saying don't have immigrants, we're trying to, exp trying to say, if you are looking at data, please look at the effect of immigration. That doesn't mean get rid of immigration. It just means look at the effect of the, the data, look at the effect of immigration on a per capita basis. Otherwise, yeah. otherwise, you're trying to pull the wool over everybody's eyes. Correct. Well, imagine if we had, I don't know, two million people here coming to Australia. We couldn't cope. So the argument that we're getting well, four or 500,000 a year is also in that genre where we, it's just difficult to absorb that number of people. Yeah, no, I'm pro-immigration, very, very much so, but there's an optimal number. There is a, the right amount of immigration. Zero. No, I don't want zero immigration. We're a good country. We're a rich country and we're a decent country, so you need a bit of um, humanitarian immigration and you need the stuff that makes the Australian economy good. But you can have too much. You can have too much immigration because if all of a sudden you get this surge, which is what we've happened, including with foreign students studying at our universities, again, another good thing, but they've all come in, they tend to rent. Where are the universities? They tend to be in the big cities, in the CBD areas, and they rent apartments. The, the vacancy rates are almost non-existent. Now, the question about immigration is not that we go to zero. Nobody wants that. But, you know, four or 500,000 is too much. Okay, we're going to drop to 265,000, I think it is. When... What's, what is the long-range general immigration? Because I well, recall it's... population growth is about 280,000. Yeah, well, yeah. Half so of which is some is natural. Yeah. We have more babies than people are dying. Yeah. Great. Yeah, good. We're a young, fertile country, whatever. But the, the, the immigration numbers tend to be between 175 yeah. and 250,000 people. That's my, my recollection. And, and there is a fluctuation. It, it depends on circumstances too, right? And, of course, okay, after the pandemic, we opened the borders and it was always going to be a high number. That's fine. Playing catch-up. Yeah, playing catch-up. But we've now got this position where we're playing catch-up without building the infrastructure, including housing, to, to accommodate the surge in demand 
Look, one day Australia's going to have 40 million people. We're currently 26 million. One day, I don't know when, probably 30 years' time, whatever. But if we were to get to 40 million tomorrow, we would have an almighty headache. So perhaps you can sort of emphasise how immigration can be too strong by thinking, well, what if 10 million people came in here tomorrow? What on earth would we do? We couldn't cope. So that's why there's an optimal number. And I think what the debate right now, and it's getting a lot of attention, a lot of coverage, including from the RBA, is that immigration is a bit too hot right now. It's providing, that might be where the stimulus to the economy is because all these people are coming in. They're coming in with a wallet full of cash. They're spending it, particularly on housing. Rents are as tight as can be. Rents are growing at 10% per annum still or, or more. And uh, the house price market, while it might be cooling off a bit, is still bloody strong. So if we, and, you, you, and the context of what you are just talking about is that um, when you looked at her most recent um, report or, or, or minutes, um, they were talking about um, uh, GDP growing quite a lot in 2024. Yep. Probably more than likely, I don't know where it's coming from, but can it only be coming off the back of expected high immigration, which has been a driver of GDP to date. It has, And yes. if we look at GDP as a per capita basis, we actually have neg backwards. We've got negative GDP. Yeah, correct. So we're, we're in a... We actually are in a technical recession relative to GDP on a yeah. covered basis. Yeah. So we have. That's why consumer sentiment is as weak as it is. People are feeling pain. And, and nobody, pain. no politician would ever want to admit that. It's just not going to ever be admitted. Then they will never say it because it's that's death. Yep. Recession, my God, everybody uh, craps himself. Before we go to your chart, I know we're running a little bit out of time because we've got a little. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. A little bit off the, off the topic, but it does matter. It's pretty, pretty interesting to me. I raised the prospect, and a lot of people have me, what fiscal policy can be brought in to sit alongside um, monetary policy? And I raised the prospect a couple of days ago and went off on TikTok, went crazy, But um, and I, I was on TV this morning about it, um, I'm saying, let's increase GST. Now, I'm not a permanent GST increase. I'm saying it's 10% now. Always make it 10%. It's never going to go lower than 10%. And maybe, and, but let's increase the bandwidth to 15%. Allow the treasurer to move G, uh, GST between 10 and 15%, either up or down, relative to where inflation is. My reason for this is as follows. Reasons are as follows. One, it's a fairer way of changing spending behavior because it doesn't just affect borrowers, which is what interest rates affect, but it affects the whole economy. That's one. Two, it gives consumers more control. Right now, if you're a borrower, you've got no control. 
RBA puts money, the interest rates up. The bank therefore follows suit and puts your, his interest rates up or their interest rates up. You now pay more interest. You've got no choice. You've got to pay more interest. You can't say, well, this month I'm going to pay less interest or I'm going to live in a smaller house or whatever. You just, it just doesn't work, okay? So if you – but if, if, it's in, if it's in relation to GST, you can say, well, we will book the holiday, the caravan and all that sort of stuff, but what we're not going to do is we're not going to spend money on these items. So, or I'm not going to buy as much steak. No, I, I like that concept because, again, when we think about interest rates, they go up and down. Think of the GST. It's been 10% since it was implemented 20-something years ago. Mr. Howard did it, and good on him. Yeah, that was a, it was a good reform. Uh, but it's been 10% since that time, never moves. And the thing, first of all, I like the idea very much. So you actually have the two arms of policy, monetary policy, interest rates, fiscal policy, tax, including the GST, moving hand in hand. Correct. So when, when the economy was overheating with an inflation problem, as it was late last year, no doubt, all of the work is just not done by one, i.e. the Reserve Bank. Now, the thing about that is that everybody pays the GST. Yeah. Every time you go to the shops and you buy something or your power bill, or I know there is exemptions for pensions and that's fine, but everybody pays the GST when they spend their money, even if you're the... You know, the boomer that's retired with your house that you've paid off and you've got money in the bank earning this interest because that's the other thing. That's where people, some people, love interest rate hikes. If you've got money in the bank and you're now earning, what, close to 5% on your deposit, you're making money. So people are benefiting, whereas it's the young folk with a mortgage, probably with some kids, not getting much of a pay rise at the moment. They're the ones that are bearing all, and I repeat, all of the burden in slowing the economy down to get it... uh, in a position where inflation falls. A variable GST rate, so the government whacks up from 11 to 12 to 13%, very easy for businesses to implement. They just put it on their spreadsheets. Yeah, dead easy. Um, And we pay it as we go and spend our money in the shops. Yep, fair enough. Uh, First of all, so everyone pays it. And if you want to minimise your tax, you spend less. And when you see the price of you know, the GST component going up on your renovations or whatever, you might think, oh, gee, I'll, I'll put, put it off. I'm not going to put a marble is, top in. I'm going to put is, a, a timber top. Which slows the economy down, which is what you do. And when the economy is weak, it goes from 12 to 11 to 10. Correct. So you cut it. They go, oh, beauty, great. I can afford to do it again. So first of all, it's fair. It, it, everybody pays it according to how much they spend. So if you're a highfalutin earning million bucks, whatever, and you're spending money every day, you'll pay more G- GST than the old couple sitting at home who might go out for a cup of coffee once a day and they go to the local Chinese or the movies, they'll pay not much GST. So it is fair in terms of how much spending. And just by the way, Mark, the other thing that's good about it, and you know, not that I'm worried about the government debt, well, I'm, I'm half worried about government debt, when they hike the GST, by definition, they collect more revenue. Correct. They actually improve the budget. They, we might lock in a surplus. Who knows? And use that to reduce the level of government debt. And when the economy's weak, as we've seen during the, both the global crisis and the pandemic, sure, cut the GST down to 10%, have a budget deficit. That's fine, you know. But it has it's that automatic stabiliser in the budget. I reckon that it's better is than interest rates. I actually think it's better than monetary policy. It is. Uh, one thing, Mark. Politics. <laughs> yeah. Well, imagine mate, being the treasurer six months out from election. Oh, we're going to hike the GST. Yeah, but mate, every person's got a mortgage, and every person's renting and is bearing the brunt of um, um, uh, inflation. It's going to say, "I'm voting for you." 
Good on well, you. That's, well, indeed, and I guess, and we know, and it's, if it's done independently too, there's an independent budget advisor like the RBA. Well, the RBA put up interest rates in the last election campaign. Don't forget, in 2022, the election was at the end of May, in early May. Yep. They put them up, as they had to, by the way. So there's nothing wrong with that decision way back when. That's when the cash rate was 0.1%. So in a sense, they did the right thing. They started doing the right thing. So doing the right thing on a budget, on a variable GST, and the Treasurer maybe, you wouldn't want it done every month because that's a bit. No, no. But maybe once every six months. Yep. The Treasurer on the 1st of July and the 1st maybe of January. Maybe done straight off the, uh, the December budget, the December, the December update yep. to take and, effect and on the 1st of, of July, uh, 1st of January, yep. and then May to take effect. Yeah, so yeah, again, and it has huge implications. Could you imagine, Steve, if instead. I, if I, mean, had I, had it, I love the idea. If we had this in place. <laughs> yep. 18 months ago, when yep. they started putting interest rates up, maybe yep. interest rates didn't go up 13%. They might have only 13, 13 times. times. They yep. might have only had to go up seven times. Yep. And yep. Uh, GST might be now 13% instead of sure. 10. Yep. And, uh, and they're going to be paying that extra 3% Correct. on the stuff that they buy that's covered by the GST. And that's yep. a good way of us tightening our belts yep. and changing our behaviour yep. in a way that we control. Yes, and, it's, and everybody pays it, including... The people with a mortgage, because totally. they, when they buy their, you know, takeaway meal on a Friday yep, night yep. and, you know, a couple of bottles of wine, or whatever, they pay the GST on Great. that sort of stuff. Fine, but as do the people who currently, who are laughing, oh, interest rates are going up. I'm loving it because I've paid off my house and I've got my term deposits and I'm getting more money. And indeed, that's the inequality issue. And again, it's the old versus the young. I'm, I don't want to get into that debate because that's a, for no, another day. But it's been a debate but in the papers. But it is. So the old folks, like I'm happy to admit it, like me, love high interest rates. Yeah, totally. Um, but my kids who've recently taken out a mortgage, good on them, uh, with all my encouragement, saying, oh, Dad, you know, my bloody mortgage has gone up. And they've done the, nothing wrong. So I'm benefiting and my kids are under financial pressure because so they can took you go and talk to Jim, please? I mean, I'll have words in Jim. I'll, I'll, I'll give him a call. After this. Yeah, and I, yeah I, I, owe him, I owe him a coffee, so I'll buy him a coffee and tell Just him. Look at it. Well, you're going to pay for GST, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But let's have a look at your, your chart, mate. The checklist, well, not much change really. GDP, I'm leaving in neutral because, we, as we just discussed, economic growth is slowing, not an easing, in an easing state yet, but it's weakening. The inflation rate is also coming off the boil. It's still in marginal tightening because the actual rate is above the target from the Reserve Bank, but it is starting to come down. So that's, and they're the two dominant things. And the labour market. Look, the unemployment rate, which we didn't discuss earlier, it's just starting to creep up a little bit. You know, the job ads are turning down. So I'm going to move labour market to neutral because I want low unemployment. And the fact that wages are topping out, so it appears, is a sign that we don't have that wage price spiral, which is why wages, I'll leave them in the neutral category too. If we get to 4.5% annual wages growth, I'll move that back to the tightening side. But at the moment, it's like the Goldilocks. Not too hot, not too cold, just right in terms of wages growth. International economy, that's weak. I'm going to put that on the cusp of easing. As we discussed, rate cuts are being priced into money markets in the US, Europe, UK, Canada, New Zealand, everywhere, because the economy, the international economy is slowing down. House prices are coming off the boil in Sydney and Melbourne. I think in Melbourne, according to CoreLogic, they've actually started ticking down. And also, a little bit. rates are down. Correct. So the housing side, and all we did with this uh, rebound in house prices in 2023 was virtually completely offset the losses in 2022. So house prices today are about the same as they were two years ago. They went down, they've gone up, and they're about the same. So they're fine. 
Retail sales, we have, as we discussed, shocking. We consumers are hunkering down. That's in the easing cycle. So if the only thing you were looking at at the RBA were retail sales, you'd have it very weak. Same with consumer sentiment. We are miserable. The consumer sentiment numbers just do not want to bounce. Before I move you off that, yeah. uh, retail sales, can I ask you a quick, quick question? Yes. On retail, on um, in the inflation basket of goods and services, Yes. if I go to services, because obviously as retail sales, let's talk about uh, goods, but if we look at yeah. services, is there any data around to say who, which part of the economy, which part of the consumer economy is buying services? For example, is it the people who are ordinarily would have money on deposit? I mean, are, are we talking about some parts of the services side are very much the, those older folks? Holiday travel, yeah, that's a service. Accommodation and, with holiday. accommodation and an air, air then restaurants. Air. It's a service. That's the services and healthcare. And we know that old people spend a lot more on healthcare than young people by the nature of getting old. Uh, things like insurance, everyone pays a bit. So, But there is a propensity or a bias for the older cohorts, holiday travel, which you know is somewhat of a luxury, I think it's fair to say. Like if you didn't have to do it, you'd still be okay, but it's you know, nice to do, of course. So those serv- that services consumption is where the... Um, side of the economy is a little bit more resilient, but it's goods. You're going to department stores. We're, we're buying less TVs. We're holding on to the existing one for a while because we can't afford another thousand bucks to buy a new one. The thing that the RBA governor mentioned, which I thought was quite funny, well, funny in a warped way, was that it's just something like, yeah, one of the services where the prices are going up a lot of haircuts and dentists. Well, haircuts, you know, well, I suppose we could all grow our hair really long if we wanted to, but haircuts are pretty much an essential, I'd yeah. have thought. And dentistry, well, yes, we hear of people not going to the dentist because it is expensive, but, you know, do, do you hike interest rates just stop so people having a haircut? Or going to the dentist. <laughs> going to the dentist, like they're, they're really fundamental things. They're so, living standards. And they're services too, but, you know, anyway, there's some services inflation in those parts of the economy. Building approvals, another shocker. They're as weak as water. You know, there's still, we're not building enough houses, which we've spoken about in the past. Business investment, I'm putting that in neutral. I quite, your business investment, doing well. You know, the NAB survey of business conditions, business confidence, nice and resilient, which is a good thing. So I'll put the business confidence with the business investment. So it's this sort of, what do we call it? The patchwork economy. I think it's been called in the past. Different parts of the patchwork are doing different things. Business, doing okay. Consumers, doing badly. I think this is sort of where this chart's going up. Commodity prices, neutral. You know, as I said, they're more resilient. You know, there's something brewing in China, I think, that there's still high prices for our iron ore. Some of the other commodities like oils come back down to 75 US dollars a barrel. It was 90 a few months ago. Good for inflation, but it's a sign perhaps that the world economy is weakening. We're not uh, burning up as much oil as we used to. Stock market, mm, neutral. Never, never really is that. And current interest rates, I'm going to put towards easing because even as the RBA says, Philip Lowe said it when he was governor, Michelle Bullock saying it's now monetary policy is restrictive. It's not like we're starting from 0.1% where we were 18 months ago. Then you'd say, well, they've got to keep hiking. Fair enough. So you'd have that in the hiking column. The fact that there's been 425 points of hikes, that's a lot of a lot of gunpowder in the uh, in the economy. I'm putting it towards easing. So overall... The things that are most important are neutral to slightly tightening. The leading indicators are neutral towards easing. So in the next two months before we meet in February next year, we'll have a lot more information on inflation, GDP, and the unemployment rate. So 
they're the three things that I'm going to be looking at as we go for a lot of ABN data. A lot of ABN data comes out at the end of January. So Correct, that, and that's yes. important. Um, so, what do you reckon, mate? Up or down? Nothing. Zero. What's Dece- going to happen? December. I think they're on hold. I th- look, uh, while they're sort of talking the talk, I, with the November rate hike, that took a lot of people by sh- shock, especially by you and I, yeah, potentially you and me. But it also, I think, impacted when we look at the consumer sentiment numbers. It, it, they took a hit, you know, and and the anecdotes from uh, real estate businesses. You know, that's the spring slash summer selling period, the hot pot. And as you mentioned, auction clearance rates. Down, funnily enough, as that rate hike was being delivered. I mean, so I, I so I'm would, no change, no change I, in December. Okay, I would ordinarily agree on that one, right? Because there's nothing, no data, new data that's come out as it did in October. New data, to their defence, did come out in October. Some of which you could have interpreted in a way that says suggested maybe we should put rates up in November, which they did. Um, but you and I didn't think that data was compelling enough that came out in October to put the rates up. So we went, we went, nothing, no movement, right? We were both wrong. Yes. Just learn, for me, learning a lesson from that. From that, I got. I reckon there's a new sheriff in town. Well, there is a new sheriff in town, and I reckon there's a whole new way of looking at the, these things. I think they're looking at things differently, and I want. I'm. I'm predicting that. I would say I'm not going to say they're going to put rates up in a December meeting, but I would say there's a fifty-fifty chance that they will, but just based on her behaviour. Yeah. So her behaviour is indicating to me what they're going to try and do about our behaviour. That is. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna put the rate up one more time. I put it this way: even if they do not hike, the wording of the statement will be, as they say, hawkish. Yeah, she'll kill Stone Dead any talk of rate cuts. They ain't on her agenda in the slightest. If there is a move in interest rates, it'll be up, not down. You know, it'll be that sort of rhetoric. We're still worried about inflation; it's still sticky. Services inflation. So it'll be, it'll be a fascinating board meeting to discuss rates. I think they are on hold, but the wording will be, "We are poised to hike if needed." Yeah, enough to keep just, just enough to scare the bejesus out of us, <laughs> so we don't go crazy over the Christmas period. Yeah. And and if they do put rates up, for me, it will be the rate rise we didn't need to have. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. Just because yeah. that will be the one that will just nail a lot of people. The one that breaks the camel's back, as they T- say. Totally, yeah. it will be the yeah. one that will nail everybody. So um, we won't have – my gut feeling is, Steve, like uh, this time uh, in January when you and I are meeting again, um, if they put the rates up first meeting in December, um, you and I will be no longer talking about a recession on a per capita basis, but I reckon we'll be closer to start to talk about a recession on a total basis, on yeah, a total GDP basis. I can't disagree with that. And when you look at what's happening in Germany, again, you know, sorry, to, sorry to sort of extend the duration of our of our chat, but you look at the world economy. The world economy is so important to Australia. There's lessons to be learned. Germany's going backward. New Zealand's going backwards. Canada's going backward. The US is still growing a bit, but you know, there's a lot of evidence around the world that 2024 is going to kick off with the world economy in a bad way. But we haven't gone backwards, and I think she wants us to go backwards. That's what I think. Yep. So we're the same as everybody else. Maybe. Yeah. Well, let's and, see. Yeah. yeah, that's what I think. Let's see. We'll see. Good to see you, mate. Happy Christmas, by the way. Merry Christmas too, Mark. Great. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistance, Simon McDermott. This is a mentored podcast. <laughs>